0: Welcome back to another episode of the Water Women Podcast. Before we jump in today, I have a super exciting announcement. We have stickers! You might have seen our announcement on Instagram, but Water Women is finally launching some merch. So you can visit our website, waterwomenpodcast.ca, to pick up your first Water Women sticker. It's the Water Women logo, and it's made on waterproof and UV-coated material that can hold up to indoor and outdoor use. Is perfect for your laptop, your water bottles, your cars, anything. We only have a limited quantity, so make sure you're getting yours as soon as you can. Welcome to another episode of the Water Women Podcast, the podcast all things ocean. I'm your host, Jill. I am joined today by Joelle. Hi, Joelle. How are you doing today? Hi, Jill.
1: I'm doing great. What about you?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for asking. I am super excited to have you on the podcast today. Do you want to start out and tell us a little bit about you so we
1: can get kind of an idea of who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm a marine biologist and uh, I've been studying uh, whales and dolphins for uh, 10 years now. And uh, I'm born in uh, Belgium. So in Brussels, it's really far from the ocean. But I still have that uh, that passion to study whales and dolphins. And um, recently I started with my own nonprofit to study them in uh, Nicaragua, Central America. So you grew up pretty far from the
0: ocean. So is this something that you always knew you wanted to do or how did you find it? Did it come later on in life?
1: Yeah, I knew it for since I was a I was a child that I wanted to study marine mammals, and it came up with. Uh, I was at school and I was listening to that presentation of another uh, classmate I had, and uh, it was about killer whales. And then a few years later, I heard one about dolphins, and I found them really fascinating and. Uh, yeah, I was really curious about it, so I started reading a lot of books about whales, about dolphins, and I was even in the in the Dutch classes, uh, the teacher we 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 had the occasion to to read a book and I was always choosing one about whales, and then one day she said, like, look, Joelle, maybe you should choose something else than whales, right? (laughs) So so it was like, um, since, uh, you know, when I, my friends, when you ask them, uh, since when do you know you want to have a child, they say since uh, forever, no? And I have a bit the same about (laughs) whales and dolphins. It was uh, quite obvious for me since the beginning, but it has nothing to do because I'm living near the ocean or something. It's just like, coincidences no that, that happened you to me just and loved that, them yeah that leaded me in
0: that way I love that well I am also a whale girl I've talked about this on many podcasts prior to this one so I'm happy to share the whale passion with someone because I also absolutely love them and have been obsessed with them for quite some time so awesome I'm so happy to share that so what are you doing now you mentioned your PhD how did you how did you get to where you are? Did you go? Did you become like a marine biologist and then decide
1: you want to pursue a Ph.D.? So since as as I mentioned, so I, I, I always wanted to study whales, but then came the question like, OK, I want to do something for them. And it's not that much about studying them, but like uh, doing conservation, really. And I was thinking like, what can I do? And the initial idea I had was to become a, a vet for whales, but of course not in the delphinarium, right? Really a vet so like in the wild, you know, to save whales and dolphins. Um, I tried to go to an open, open door day. They call it like that here, I don't know, uh, in your country, but. Where yeah. you get to you know, you know, the different universities, and then I said, "Hey, I want to become a vet for whales." So literally, people were laughing at me. They were like, "This is probably a joke," you know. And I was a bit sad because, like, it was actually not a joke. <laughs> but Anyway, <laughs> um, and after that, I, well, I was uh, rethinking it, and 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 then I thought maybe biology could be a good way uh, to get to to do some conservation work on whales. And uh, so I ended up studying biology so i I didn't study marine biology surprisingly um, also because i I just didn't want to leave my home country, so Belgium and I found mm. a, a master a master on biodiversity and ecosystem ecosystems and as long as I was actually studying, I was. I got interested in literally everything about biology. It was was not just about whales. I found found everything so interesting about genetics, ecology, and everything. So I ended up studying biology, but I actually didn't do anything about whales or dolphins in five years of study. Like it was really oh wow yeah. So I I came at the end of my my master degree, and I was like, hold on. I I started biology because I wanted to do something with whales, and then I ended up studying wood, and I was like, this is kind of not really what I wanted to do so let's uh, redirect the the initial goal no and so at the end of the study I I decided to do some volunteering and uh, I went to Madagascar to study humpback whales there that was my first uh, international experience and it was also my first time I saw a whale actually so
0: so (laughs) yeah
1: it's just a a bit a crazy story actually when I'm thinking about it but um and so after that, I was like, of course, I loved it. Um, I had to struggle a bit with seasickness at the start. I didn't, I didn't think of that part. <laughs> and so then I came back and uh, I decided I just, yeah, worked a bit, earned some money, and then went back volunteering. And I did that uh, back and forth and. But at the end, I was so working in woods biology, and then I was volunteering on whale and dolphin research. And then at the end, I was like, well, perhaps I should do a PhD. So initially, I didn't want to do a PhD because I I thought that, yeah, people that do a PhD, there was a really... um, a bit a, a stupid thought if I can say it like that but it was just like I thought that people that were doing a PhD they didn't have a life you know they were they were working way too much
0: <laughs> there is kind of that like stigma around it that it's like, <laughs> if you're doing a PhD
1: you're not doing anything else exactly right I, I was like I don't want to be like a PhD student like you know um <laughs> but yeah so well before getting to the PhD actually well it's uh yeah, I wanted to do the PhD. I, I wanted to study humpback whales. Initially, I wanted to study the mother-calf pairs uh, of the North Pacific, how they distributed and everything. I wrote proposals. I tried to get some grants, and I failed. I didn't receive any grants for that. And I was like, well, you know what? I don't care. I will just start my research with my nonprofit organization in Nicaragua about humpbacks and other cetaceans. And I'll just do my way, and I'll sort it out. And so I studied. So I started in 2016 with my my nonprofit organization, uh, ELIS, which means actually education, freedom, independence in science. Uh, so you really feel that independence, you know, in the research. <laughs> I love that. In the name of the organization, and uh, I, I just literally took all the data I could about all the animals i could i could encounter in the field and and after well a few years um actually in, when was it in december uh 2018 i talked to my professors because i attended a, a conference here in brussels and i ended up talking to my previous professors you no know? And uh, they said, so Joelle, what are you up to? And I said, well, I am uh, doing research, participate to conferences, writing papers. And then they said, well, you're actually doing a PhD. And I'm like thinking about it. And I was like, yeah, actually, yeah, I'm doing a PhD, (laughs) but without being involved in the PhD. And so they said, perhaps you should consider just having your PhD, you know. And in Brussels, they give uh, a, on a very uh, exceptional uh, basis. They, they, they um, allow you to do um, a PhD in one year. So if you ask for it without grant, but you can do a PhD in one year. And so I was cool. like, yeah, that's cool, right? Um, but yeah. it's like not the, a common thing, right? So that you know it's not like every normally it's four years in Belgium. Uh, but anyway, since I, I, I started uh, already four years ago it was kind of, well, I kind of did the, the actual four years. And so I, I asked a professor there in marine biology at the University of Brussels if he wanted to support me. And he said, that's fine for me. You can do it. And we asked to the university and they agreed that I was enrolled in a PhD without grants, right? So I'm just doing it on my, well, it's a self-funded uh, PhD project. And so the topic is, uh, so I'm do, I'm studying the ecology of humbuck whales in uh, Nicaragua, Central America. So they are very, very special because uh, yeah, because I have observed uh, feeding behaviors of humpback whales in breeding areas, which they're they're not supposed to do that. Yeah, since, that's uh, really interesting. Yeah, you know, right that humpback whales are migratory and they're not feed, well, they're feeding in one area and reproducing... breeding and calving bird. in the other. Yeah. Exactly, breeding in another area, so. So, it wasn't really surprising. It was not an opportunistic feeling. They were doing it all over and over and then two years in a row, and it was like there is something happening here. So I wrote a little note about that, so we published our findings and our research, and that really yeah raised the attention about like what what are those whales doing there? you know, like why are they feeding and so the PhD is a bit about that, like trying to understand and unraveling the different parameters or the different uh, elements that could explain why whales are feeding there, um, amongst other. No, because no one ever did research in Nicaragua, and the whales are quite understudied uh, in, in in Central America in general. So I'm trying to understand their habitat use patterns their distribution like the uh, estimating population size and you know trying to get some basic knowledge about humpbacks in in Nicaragua I try to explain it in a nutshell no it's a bit complicated
0: <laughs> that's really cool that you're finding these things that like we feel like we have this fact about whales that they eat in one area and they reproduce in another. But you're finding where you're studying like, oh, hey, they're supposed to be reproducing here, but we're seeing feeding behaviors. So it's so interesting that no matter what we think we know about whales, it's always kind of like, a, well, you never
1: know yeah exactly and you you must be open for it that that new things can happen and recent research even in in Mexico showed that whales were also feeding there so they're of course in Nicaragua they're breeding too, right but they're breeding and feeding they're doing both and um um some colleagues in in Mexico also observed uh, feeding behaviors and feeding aggregations in in Mexican breeding areas. So so maybe the story is not that easy as thinking, oh, they are in point A and they feed and then they go to point B where they breed. It's, it might be a bit more complex than that.
0: Oh, absolutely. And it's also, we have to take into account how much everything like the world and the environment is changing. So while it might have been like that prior to now, things have changed so much now that maybe they're not getting enough food when they're in their feeding areas and have to make up for it while they're in their reproductive areas
1: exactly that that could be one of the explanations now the thing is also like research is in humpback whales is quite uh, recent so perhaps we just didn't know they were doing it before you know so you oh, yeah. you always have to be open also for the 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 factor the fact that we were actually not present and perhaps they were doing it before perhaps perhaps not it's like a environment or um, environmental or due to climate change or something you know so it it can be uh, various uh, things or it can be simply that now they had like really good currents with food and they just enjoyed it, you know, <laughs> like it can yeah, be absolutely. as simple as that, you know.
0: You always have to open up the uh, possibility that you were wrong in the original research and that things can change
1: and that you never know what's going on. So I think that's really cool. that That's what you guys are looking into. Exactly. I I, th- I think it's really important, and and you know to do so you must be really aware of the literature and what what has been done, uh, in the world and in your area, and um, and in this way that's why when I saw the feeding and I knew literature and I was like okay this is not normal <laughs> in their feeding <laughs> I know there is something special going on you know.
0: If you're looking for an eco-friendly alternative to storing your food and keeping it fresh and lasting a long time, then I have the answer for you. Wax wraps! Hear me out. Wax wraps are a lot better than Tupperware containers. They take up less room and you can mold them to fit exactly around whatever you're trying to store or keep fresh. They're also so easy to clean and keep things fresh for such a long time. My personal favorite is Bee's Wax Wraps. Jilly Bees Wax Wraps are a local wax wrap that you can get in New Brunswick. They're handmade using locally sourced beeswax and all natural and organic resins and oils. Like I said, they are local to New Brunswick. If you're interested in purchasing some, send her a direct message on Facebook or Instagram and she'd be happy to help you out. You can check out Jilly Bees Wax Wraps on Facebook and Instagram at Jilly Bees Wax Wraps It'll be linked in our bio and also tagged on our Instagram. So check them out and get your wax wrap so you can start keeping your food fresh for longer. Let's rewind a little bit. So you said the first time you ever saw a whale, like your first experience uh, with that was in Madagascar. Uh, what were you doing there? What kind of... Uh, internship research volunteering were you doing there and what was that moment like seeing a whale for the first time and being like ah yes this is what I want to do for the rest of my life
1: well um so what I was doing there I was an eco guide so it was like I was going on touristic trips and I was uh giving explanation to tourists but also at 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 the same time taking data uh making pictures and you know writing stuff down and everything so that was my, my role. And then of course um, entering the data and then uh, cleaning up the gear and stuff. Okay. That's all part of the job. And okay. um, yeah, so the first, first time I saw a whale was actually, I remember because obviously I remember, right. Um, but I came from that very, very long travel. I think I traveled 24 hours I don't remember but it was a really long travel and I arrived there and of course I was so enthusiastic it was the the dream of my life (laughs) seeing a whale getting there and everything and um, they came to pick me up at the airport I was really exhausted but they say hey Joel this afternoon we go on the boat do you want to go and I was so excited I was like sure I want to go like I was exhausted but I I just wanted to go so I went and it was a, a day it was like a a cloudy day it was really not like the the you know the day that, like you see on the pictures with this sexy blue and uh, blue water <laughs> and a lot of sun and you see that whale breaching it was not that you know it was just like a a, a rainy day <laughs> rainy cloudy day anyway and then we saw mother cafe and they were like kind of far and shy and it was honestly it was nothing special and i was a bit deceived i was like is it this like seeing a whale in the field (laughs) it was not like i was expecting like oh my god it's amazing no i was like oh okay but i think it was a mix of i had maybe high expectations expecting that the swell was less high and less rainy you know it was like a weird first first experience but of course uh what made the 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 whole journey special was of course we multiplied the the, the trips and then I saw more whales but uh, something very special happened there is that there was a humpback whale birth when I was there so um, I was uh, um, that that morning I was not on the boat, it was actually my day off, I was not supposed to be on the boat and then we had a call of one of our yeah one of the other tour operators saying hey uh, with a biologist right and she called and she said hey there is a something exceptional blah blah there is a humpback whale birth come over and so we just literally jumped on the boat and joined them and we formed one team that was following the mother and the and the and the and the newborn and we tried to to get some data about it, and and actually, according to scientific literature, there was like the third uh, birth that was observed uh, in the world, you know. So, so it was like, wow, that's just literally awesome, you know. So, having as uh, being able to see up close a newborn humpback whale, I mean, that made it right. That made the whole yeah, journey. Yeah, that would amazing. be.
0: sold after that and the fact that there's only three observed births and you got to see the like whale from one of those is so absolutely insane
1: yeah exactly well I don't know if there were maybe other people around the world saw newborns but you know it's it it was not in the scientific literature but anyway it's still rare you know it's still like yeah yeah. only a few very rare absolutely Yeah, it's it's just oh, awesome. So that was like, uh, and and I think that confirmed really like, oh my god, this is amazing. And I started digging into scientific literature, and I just got, yeah, that's why I wanted to do my 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 PhD about mother calf pairs because um, I I just felt a strong connection to mother mother calf pairs because I had that amazing experience in Madagascar.
0: Oh yeah. So like your Madagascar experience kind of sold you on the rest of your life of whales, whales. This is what I'm doing. Mm, yeah, we can say it like that, yeah.
1: Mm.
0: <laughs> I love that. Uh so then you launched your own project in 2016, like with Ellis. Uh how did you come up with Ellis? Where did it come from and how did it come to be?
1: So where do it come from? Like the name or you mean the idea? The
0: name the name, the idea, everything. Like you birthed this tell us about it
1: okay so it's a bit also a special story um uh, <laughs> <laughs> i realize all my stories are a bit uh, a bit uh, special anyway so as i mentioned I, I worked some on different projects i volunteered like i volunteered in madagascar then i waiting i went in uh, great britain I went in uh, Slovenia. I studied humpback whales in Mexico. And so, after all those experiences, I was like, okay, it's good to volunteer with others and stuff, and it's nice. But I feel like um, perhaps I wanted to run the things a bit in another way. And I was like, maybe I should start my thing, you know, my project and uh, do something um, according to my vision. And in 2014, I was actually talking to my brother and, uh, and he, he had that organization called ELIS, okay. ELIS, which oh. means education, freedom, independence, but the S stands for sports. So he started, actually, he founded it for, for, um, he founded ELIS uh, in 2013, um, because he wanted to give, uh, educational value to, to to kids to children uh, through football soccer so he organized like summer camps and they were learning about um, respect about nutrition about the environment about you know it was like not just playing uh, playing soccer but just like yeah with an additional value and so one day i i was I was on the phone with him and I was just saying just for a joke. And I was like, ah, maybe I should do Elise and then Elise Scientific. That's why the Facebook page is Elise Scientific, just to make a difference with Elise sport. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, okay. uh, the whole history. So that, and I kept Elise, even Elise, I know it doesn't make, I mean, you don't associate it to the ocean or to whales or but uh, it it associates to education, to that independence, to that to the the, the freedom of doing what you want. Uh, it's personal development. It's about human values. It's about it's about just it's not just about whales and research, right? But yes. well, we wanted to we had those ch- shared values with my brother, and that's why I felt like okay, at least science, at least sports, we can make something jointly now my brother is not doing much anymore with Ellie sports so let's say that um at the beginning when you went on the web- website it was like uh little uh, boys and girls playing soccer and now and then here and then you had a whale breaching <laughs> around it <laughs> uh, but now you see it's like uh we we have uh, reoriented the website mainly to the activities of science because he he stopped a bit doing what he's doing i mean he's He's not stopping completely, but he's doing it less anyway, so that's how it actually started, so I founded Ellie Scientific, let's say not Elise as such, but anyway um it's it's a family product. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, yeah, so and that's and and yeah due to the the different experiences it was like I want to do something you know different. I don't have that, that urge really of having something that's mine, you know, because I know also people, you know, they want to say, I wanted to set, to set my own project, you know, having this ownership. It's, it's not about that. It's just like, I wanted to have, um, another philosophy and, you know, proposing something different.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So if people want to get involved with Ellis, how can they do that? Is there a way that they can be involved?
1: There Really many ways in how people can get involved. And and I really try to find as much as possible things for people to do according to uh, the fact if they have time, if they have knowledge, if they have money, if they have whatever they have, and they can just, you know, um, support. So, for example, if they have just, uh, you know, I know that there's a lot of students or people that love whales and want to do something, but they don't have money to donate or something. Uh, they can, for example, use uh, Lilo as a search engine. So it's uh, the equivalent of Google, but you just it's called Lilo. And then you can make some online searches and that generates drops. And the drops, you can give it to a project and they, they transform it into money. So the money, um, you can literally, generate money for the project by doing online searches so i found it's cool super cool yeah so that's really great and you don't need i mean even if you don't have money you just have an internet access and like it works (laughs) yeah like
0: like mindlessly you don't even have to think about it you're just searching up like what time how long should i cook this for and you have helped that is so cool
1: yeah, exactly. Well, like literally when I have a conversation with someone and we're like, oh, I don't know, I say, hold on, I'm generating a job. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. So that's a that's a way of, of of supporting. Um, Then, of course, as I mentioned, becoming a member or making a donation to the organization that always helps for our research actions, because I didn't explain it earlier, but in the, in the project I developed, it's not only about science, but it's in research, it's also about education. So with the project I developed in Nicaragua, I'm giving environmental science classes to the kids there of the local community. So the money helps us paying a teacher and also uh, supplies for the kids there to get to know about uh, the environment, uh, we organize excursions, you know, then we have to pay the boat and yeah, just pay for the logistics of the excursion to get uh, the kids to see whales, to see turtles, to experience the environment, and and they're really getting enthusiastic. I have some children that are that told me that they were really worried about you know the masks and the gloves that people are throwing in their environment with uh, with mm. the corona uh, situation. So um, it's it's great. I hope we have a, a next generation of. Uh, of, an, of a stewards you know, for the protection of the environment. So the money goes towards that too. So that's also good to know.
0: So you guys do a lot of educational outreach with that. That's super cool that you're also using it for that because it's awesome to be doing research and promoting research, but to share that with the younger generations and other people who are interested is how we really foster this Like a continuation of this like you have to get these young kids interested and ready to kind of take over because they're going to be coming up here like they're going to be
1: growing up soon and taking over exactly you can foster that yeah so that that's why actually i have like a motto for the for the project is science with a purpose no that's it's not just doing research for doing research right um we do research for conservation um for conservation on the longer term so that's why my project is composed of three main uh, pillars so the first is science the second is education and the third one is conservation and the conservation is uh, feasible through research but also through education because i really believe that everyone can make a difference like a difference every single person can make the difference and it's just like sometimes people you know the people um, helps me and they say oh, i don't know if that makes difference and i say look it does make a difference so that's why the education part is super important because every single person of the community not only locally internationally we can all make a difference so the education is not just with the children uh, i have also i'm also training students uh, national students in nicaragua so that they can also get involved into the research and uh, uh, making some movements for the conservation of the ocean in general, and specifically for the whales. And uh, I will have some interns this year uh, probably working with me. So that's really, really positive. So, you know, there, there's a lot going on in the project. Actually, yeah. I can talk uh, for an hour about it, but <laughs> of all the <laughs> things we are doing. But, um, but yeah, I'm trying to work on... On all those different aspects, and and the conservation would be working with local stakeholders, the government. I have my permits, my research permits with the Ministry of Environment. I'm working uh, with uh, the mayor's office. I'm working with, uh, yeah, with many different uh, stakeholders, and the idea is is to really generate um, uh, interests. But not only interest, but also like making them aware of what they have, because the, the project I set up in Nicaragua is a pioneer project. So there was literally no data or no knowledge about whales and dolphins before I started. So that's a big step for Nicaragua, you know, to to get to know what they, what they have. So another thing to help uh, is, of course, following us on the social media and share it to share it with their contacts yes. like you know on Facebook you have that option like invite all your friends just do it you know like that it. Us re- yeah it just takes one second and then but I know that some of my friends are like yeah but you know maybe people don't want yeah but if you don't invite them you don't know if they want or not you know <laughs> to like the page if they don't want that they, they don't like the page dot <laughs> so I'm like just share and spread the word <laughs>
0: I think that's awesome that you guys are doing so much outreach and getting so many people involved because that is just like fantastic. And I've said this before on the podcast, but it's so important to get locals who might not be scientists or biologists or conservationists in any way involved and caring about it because it's their home and their land and nobody knows it more than they do and nobody cares about it more than they do. So I think it's so awesome that you guys are also doing that.
1: I believe it's also very important, you know, as, as I'm not a national and I'm also very careful because it's not my country. It's not, I mean, I don't owe anything there and I'm just like, uh, someone that's helping, you know, I'm an an actor of change and, uh. I think my role is just you know to to give some movement in the system because they don't have access to some fundings or they don't have the knowledge to get some fundings or they don't know how to start a marine mammal monitoring because there is no one doing it so it's just like um I just feel that i'm 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 bringing in the knowledge the competences and and some funding to to make the um, the motor work you know so it's 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 going forwards and uh, in a positive way right so that's I think that's my role and and I think I I truly hope that uh I will have a, a, a national team that's going to be able to work like permanently there um and then you know I can still help but that they are leading the thing you know
0: yeah absolutely it's what you're doing is absolutely fantastic and I'm so excited about it and I can't wait to watch it grow
1: <laughs> thank you this is really nice thank you
0: um so you guys have done quite a bit and I see like we mentioned you mentioned that uh you've won some awards from them from your uh, or from or for your project that's awesome some some of the uh, project awards
1: you've gotten yeah, so I I have received uh, two awards. So one is from the uh, foundation Yves Rocher. Yves Rocher is like a, a company in in Europe. I don't know if you know Yves Rocher. Yves Rocher is actually a company that's making makeup, but on, based with uh, with only plants, and they're doing that for you know years and before even like people had the notion of uh, eco products and. And being aware of the environment, they were like a bit pioneers in that, and they created that uh, that award for women that are involved uh, in, in 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 changing, you know, something for the environment, and uh, and that they are also so they are helping women that are involved in um, environmental conservation, but also in making a change. For a local communities, you know, helping them and integrating them in that change. So the award is is uh, given for for women, yeah, doing that uh, a bit everywhere in the world. So that's really cool. And then the second award was by uh, Ecology Project International, and it's also for community involvement uh, in for for uh, conservation. Of nature and um, through through science, so that's literally exactly what I'm doing. So that that was yeah. But well, both awards were a perfect fit of, of, of what I'm doing and representing me, and I'm I'm really happy to have received those um, awards because you know sometimes when we're doing what well we're doing what we're doing, we feel a bit lonely. Uh, although I know there's so many people out there that do care about the environment and whales and all all the animals sometimes I, it feels a bit uh, i feel a bit of uh, the lonely fish in the ocean you know and uh oh, having yeah. these awards and those people saying like you know we need people like you and doing your work and you know it gives me like additional energy to to move forward you know because my energy is not uh, endless <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel that
0: is so excited to be partnering with Caitlin McCall, an eco-conscious diver, for the launch of the new course, A Complete Introduction to Marine Conservation. Trying to learn more about marine conservation and how to implement it into your own everyday lives can be very overwhelming. There's lots of rabbit holes and misinformation that can be found on Google, but this step-by-step guide from Caitlin is the best place to start and allows you to make marine conservation a part of your life every single day in the easiest way possible. Only six hours of at your own pace online material stand between you and your future of marine conservation. Make sure you use the link in our bio to get the course at a discounted price for a limited time. We can't wait to hear what you do with this. mentioned that your PhD and just getting to do this work has been a struggle for you would you have any advice for anyone that is also facing any struggles or like how they could kind of do what you do
1: honestly like I'm thinking about it like if you have the chance to join a project that's already running and you feel that the philosophy is you know the same as yours and it's less effort, I think, in terms of energy to, to, to go within, like to develop eventually your own project within um, an already existing project rather than starting everything from scratch, because I can ensure you that's a lot of work. Uh, but in case you say like I I do not agree with anyone in this planet and no one is doing whatever I want to do, okay, that's fine. That can happen. It happened to me. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, yeah, there. Are, of course, afterwards you're thinking like mm, maybe I should have done that in a different way, right? Yeah, make clear objectives. Determine really well from from the start how you will get the funds and make sure you have it before you start because i i did everything like you know um, i was trying to do what i could with what i had and uh, and i know that for 5 years i was volunteer i i mean i was volunteering on the project you know <laughs> so it was really a struggle to do and the project and finding a way to sustain myself so that that and I know that most people are a bit scared to start a project because of that because they know that making a living out of it is a bit complicated so eventually if you start something from scratch perhaps have first a job or something and just develop really well like your budgets from the start to make sure you sustain yourself from from the start and um, and yeah that's something that we as biologists they didn't teach us right it's like all that thing of communication, uh, marketing—it's a bit marketing, also, you know, talking about the yeah. project and saying what you do and how you present it. And you learn—I learned it by doing it. But at the end, that's that's if you can make a team with a person that's that studied that—that's—that's, that's, I think, a good combo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Now, if people wanted to follow along with you in your PhD journey and along with Ellis, where can they find you guys on social media or how can they find you guys, learn more about you guys, like any websites or socials or anything?
1: Yeah, we have a social social media so they can follow us on Facebook. Uh, I'm really posting as much as I can. Well, I mean, good uh, good content right um, so that people are are also aware of what we're doing um and up to, up to date because i realize there's so much going on <laughs> uh, that that uh, having people uh, up to date is it's uh, not always easy but anyway they can go on facebook uh eli scientific so eli and then scientific, and then um, they can also go on Instagram if they want to see nice pictures and and also uh, nice contents in the captions. I tried to put some things interesting in the in the stories also, so they can go also on Ellie scientific. And then i have my personal instagram where i'm more talking about my journey as a phd student because i separate a bit both because the my nonprofit is more you know it's a bigger project and then my phd is a part of one of the pillars right so uh, if people want to know more about you know like the questions you ask me like what would you uh what would you recommend to someone that wants to start a project or what would you do? Like if people want to, to, to ask me these kind of questions or want to uh, get answers on those questions, they can follow me on my uh, Instagram is dw, and um, they can, they can follow me uh, there to support is that we are making uh, whale bracelets. They're really cool. And we are selling them to support the project. <gasps>
0: cool that is so awesome where can people find those is there anywhere that they can buy them online or anything like that
1: well for for now I don't have a web shop because it's my sister <laughs> she's making them for now <laughs> so awesome. she can't make thousands at the, at the time so but if, if people are interested they can always send me a message on Facebook or Instagram or whatever and uh, we can make an order of uh, those bracelets and in this way they can support the project too
0: that is awesome that's so exciting Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Joelle. It was awesome to have you on. And I loved talking about your journey and your program and all that fun stuff. It was so cool to learn from you today.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Jill, for inviting me. And I really enjoyed uh, sharing my story with you. Thank you so much for listening to
0: another episode of the Water Women Podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, don't forget to rate and subscribe to it. You can also follow us on all of our social medias. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Water Women Podcast and on Twitter at Water Women Pod. You can also find more behind the scenes info on our website, waterwomenpodcast.ca. I am so happy to keep sharing these stories of different water women each week with you. And until next week, stay salty.